Welcome to the Boundless Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 28. I am your host, Jacques, and I'm flying solo today, guys. Yep, just me. Mike and Indy are not here. Uh, initially, it was supposed to be myself and Indy doing this episode, but the day of recording, I just did not feel up to recording. So I go to the guys and I say, Hey, Mike, can you fill in for me? And he's like, sure, yeah, no problem. I got it. Because, you know, he's a machine. He has not taken an episode off yet. Maybe one day he'll get a break. But, you know, I guess that day is today because he's not doing this episode with me. So so then Indy was like, oh, you know what? I, I kind of I have a headache, too. I, I don't know if we can do this episode. And then Mike was like, yeah, you know, that's fine because I'm busy this week. I'm not going to have a lot of time to edit. I have some life stuff going on. So they decided, okay, there's going to be no episode this week. And I was like, I don't know. We've missed so many episodes over the last few months. I, I just feel like I need to give the audience an episode. So I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do a solo episode. This is going to be my first one. You know, that's what's happening right now. And then the famous words of Radiohead, this is what you get. I will try to do my best, but it's definitely weird when you have nobody to talk to, nobody to bounce anything off of. All right, um, yeah, I'm not going to do social media. I have just decided this in the moment right now. So, yeah, fuck social media. Maybe I will hit it at the end of the show. We'll see if we have time. But yeah, for this episode, guys, it's pretty much just going to be a news episode. There's going to be no topic. Uh, I'm not going to talk about any games because I'm I'm still playing Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm almost done with it, but there's really nothing more to say about it that I didn't already cover last week. So if you want to hear about that, just go listen to episode 27. And as far as surprise mechanics, I will see if we have time. I have something, but we'll see. I'm trying to keep this episode short because Mike has to edit this in a shorter amount of time, but also while juggling other things he's doing in his life. He's pretty busy right now, so I don't want to overburden him. All right, so let's just go ahead and jump right into the inventory. So the main thing I want to talk about is Halo Infinite because the embargo lifted and all the reviews are coming out for the game. I mean, we've already been playing the multiplayer, so we know that's good, but the the campaign has dropped as well. So I am just going to read a roundup of some reviews I selected and I tried to get some that run the gamut you know, it's not just all positive. It's some are mixed. There's not really any negative reviews, but there are some that are kind of middling. So I'll just go ahead and get into this right now. So on Metacritic, it is currently sitting at an 87 at the time of this recording, and that's based on 69 reviews. As far as Open Critic, it's sitting at an 86 top critic average, and that's based on 103 reviews. And it is 95% recommended. So right, right off the bat, it's like, that's pretty damn good. 
Like, I don't know. I think a lot of people maybe wanted it to be higher, like maybe in the 90s. But, you know, I never expected it to go that high. I, I think this is pretty fair. This is like within the range that I expected. And you got to think Microsoft's got to be pretty happy with this. So by the time this podcast is released, uh, this will be on Xbox Game Pass, the full game campaign and everything. So, all right, I'm just going to start out with Brendan Lowry from Windows Central. He gave it a 100 out of 100, and he says, Halo Infinite is a phenomenal game that completely exceeded my expectations. By seamlessly blending exciting new elements with Halo's traditional formula, 343 Industries has crafted its magnum opus. Matt Miller from Game Informer gave it a 93. He says, like many, I'm sad that Halo Infinite doesn't offer cooperative multiplayer at launch. If only because it's been a bulwark of the series' identity. It's a disappointing omission, but I have to judge the game before me, not the features I wish might be there. And by that measure, Halo Infinite is a rousing success. Whether you want a big, mysterious sci-fi adventure or a chance to engage with some intense PvP... Halo Infinite nails the shots where it counts and heralds a new era for one of gaming's most recognizable mainstays. Ryan McCaffrey from IGN, I love Ryan, uh, he gave it a 9 out of 10. Halo Infinite's single-player campaign is exactly what this series needed. It brings out the best in Master Chief's unique and satisfying combat style while leveraging old ideas to create memorable new moments. Its story falls short, for both new and veteran players, but it was worth the six-year wait. PJ O'Reilly from Peer Xbox gave it a 90. He says, Halo Infinite feels like a big step forward for the franchise, a slick shift into open-world arena that manages to strike a fine balance between the traditional narrative-driven Halo of old and all new levels of freedom and emergent gameplay. It's not all perfect, the story fizzles out a little as it goes on, and Zeta Halo isn't the most technically proficient open world we've experienced, but the amazing combat here smooths over most of these minor cracks. Halo's action has truly never felt better, and with an almost endless supply of enemies to engage with in the campaign and a stellar multiplayer package to get stuck into, this is one super satisfying return for the Master Chief. Michael Goroff from Electronic Gaming Monthly. That's a great magazine. I used to read that a ton when I was a kid. I honestly did not even know EGM was still around. Uh, so yeah, he gave it an 80, and he says, Halo Infinite handles the burden of the franchise's long history gracefully. At times, as with the campaign story, it can feel like developer 343 Industries is weighed down by Master Chief's Mjolnir armor. But Infinite's bolder design choices, like its open-world environment and grapple shot, make it feel exciting and new. The multiplayer might play it a little safe to appease longtime fans. But if the worst thing you can say about it is that it feels like old-school Halo, then it's doing something right. It's Halo made for Halo fans, but there's enough novelty to keep it feeling fresh. And we've got Natalie Clayton from PC Gamer and she gave it a 78. Halo Infinite is really good Halo. 
For lapsed fans of the Bungie games, like me, Halo Infinite is a strong return to form. And in the heat of battle, it's the best running and gunning the series has ever had. It's painfully easy to imagine a world where Infinite could have easily been one of my favorite entries to date, but between an open world that feels largely redundant and a story that can't shed its series' baggage, Halo Infinite's campaign falls just shy of being great Halo. And Alex V from New Game Network gave it a 74. He says, Halo Infinite offers a brief campaign with uneven writing and a functional but safe implementation of the new open world levels. It's still a great shooter with strong core mechanics that help carry the experience. But as multiplayer is now standalone and free, the value proposition of this full-priced solo adventure is rather diluted. And finally, we've got Mansoor Mithaiwala. I am so sorry if I mispronounced that name. He is from Screen Rant, and he gave it a 70. He says, It's plausible Halo Infinite will eventually become an era-defining game, one that reestablishes it as a dominant shooter franchise, but it's not there yet, and there's no telling when it will be. So it seems like most people are pretty happy with the campaign. It's not perfect, but it carries over the, the tight mechanics from the multiplayer. And I, I can confirm, having played a lot of the multiplayer so far, it feels very, very good. I've been having the most fun with the multiplayer since probably Halo Reach. Yeah, I would say Halo Reach. It's better than Halo Reach, in my opinion, for sure. Halo 3 was probably the last one that was this good. So I'm really, really curious to see how this campaign shakes out. Yeah, I was not too pleased with Halo 4 and 5's campaigns. So it looks like th this might be better than those. It seems like there's some big moments, big set pieces... Um, I'm a little bit concerned still about the open world aspect. I, I don't know how that's going to feel in a Halo game. But, you know, based on these reviews, it, it seems like most people are having fun with this. So I'm definitely going to try this very soon, possibly after I finish Guardians. Uh, we will probably be talking about the campaign sometime in the next couple episodes because there will be two more episodes after this for the rest of the year. And then we're going to take a holiday break for a couple weeks and then return in January with our, our own game awards where it's going to be all three of us, me, Mike and Indy on the episode. So yeah, we'll definitely be uh, talking about Halo infinite campaign and some more coming up. So yeah, look forward to that. I didn't say that that was number one, but that was the number one item on the news inventory. So moving on to number two, Aliens Fireteam Elite is coming to Xbox Game Pass. Coming December 14th, alongside the new Season 2 Point Defense update, the standard edition of Aliens Fireteam Elite will be available with Xbox Game Pass on both Xbox and Windows 10. This also means cross-play will be available between Xbox and PC players who install via the Microsoft Store version of the game. Season 2 Point Defense will bring a content patch that includes the new Point Defense game mode, 
God, they're saying point defense a lot. It'll also bring a new lifetime stats feature, as well as four new weapons, which are a rifle, a handgun, CQW, I guess that means close quarters weapon, I don't know what the fuck that means, and a heavy weapon. Uh, It will also bring an assortment of new attachments, new weapons, new colorways, and decals, new head accessories, new emotes, and even new challenge cards to bring a new unique twist to your next missions. Now, we, we, me and Mike had talked about this game a little bit on this podcast. Mike has beaten it, so he's just talking about it a little more extensively than I was. But I share played it with him for a little bit, so I kind of got to feel a little bit of it. I wasn't blown away. I, I, like, I am a big fan of the Aliens franchise, and I have recently just watched the first two movies within the last like couple months. So it's fresh in my mind. Now, I, I, I am excited to put a little bit more time into this, so I definitely will be downloading this on Game Pass. And uh, I, I think this is the type of game that was pro- is probably more fun when you play it with friends. So I am looking forward to that aspect. But it, I'm kind of getting tired of these, these games like this. Um, Back for Blood was one recently. Uh, there's a handful of games. I, I, for some reason, they're making a comeback where it's... This this like asymmetric. Um, I don't even know what you would call them. Yeah, th- this is very much like a third person, third person Back for Blood, Left for Dead type game. I guess it's closer to World War Z because that was third person. It, it's this is certainly not bad at all. Like th- when you compare this to like Aliens, Colonial Marines, this this looks like a you know ten out of ten masterpiece. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very cool that this is coming to Xbox Game Pass. I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to eventually. It just it felt like a Game Pass game to me. I know we uh, we all have like started saying this phrase now. Oh, it's a Game Pass game. It's like I can't quite quantify what that means, but we kind of all just feel like certain games are Game Pass games. But uh, yeah, December fourteenth. Uh, that's pretty soon after this releases this this podcast. So. If you want to go play some aliens, shoot up some xenomorphs with your friends, have at it, guys. Number three, PlayStation plans new service to take on Xbox Game Pass. This is from Jason Schreier at Bloomberg. The service, codenamed Spartacus, will allow PlayStation owners to pay a monthly fee for access to a catalog of modern and classic games. Expected to launch in spring 2022, the service will merge Sony's two existing subscription plans, PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now. Documents reviewed by Bloomberg suggest that Sony plans to retain the PlayStation Plus branding, but phase out PlayStation Now. The service is said to offer three tiers. The first would include existing PlayStation Plus benefits, The second would offer a large catalog of PlayStation 4 and eventually PlayStation 5 games. The third tier would add extended demos, game streaming, and a library of classic PS1, PS2, PS3, and PSP games. Sony is also putting resources into expanding its efforts in cloud gaming, people familiar with the plan said. Sony hasn't officially said anything about this yet. But they will. I'm, you know, it's 
this had to happen. They'd been apparently working on this for a while. They needed an answer to Xbox Game Pass. And it looks like they're also, like it said at the end, trying to expand their cloud uh, service. So yeah, Xbox is just really forcing their hand here. And I, for one, am glad because they needed this. It's just making Sony better because Sony has been on top for a while. Like all the PlayStation 4 era, they've they've been on top. Uh, and then just continuing on from that in PS5 era, they're still like at the top. So they're way ahead of Xbox as far as sales. And usually that 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 is concerning because the company on top usually kind of slacks off. It's happened like almost every generation. So I'm glad that Xbox is really pushing them to do this. I personally do not have PlayStation now. I've never had it. Um, I think Mike has tried it out a little bit. He he said it's not bad because this is like certainly I think they have more games than Xbox Game Pass, but you cannot download every game, and I think that's a real big issue because with the Game Pass you can download everything. So it sounds like they're going to be merging Plus and Now, and they're just going to get rid of the Now branding, and just it's just going to be PlayStation Plus with three different tiers. I would probably get the highest tier because I want to play all those like old classic games. Also, too, I was reading recently, I believe it was like late last month in November, Sony patented uh, backwards compatibility technology. And Mark Cerny's name was on the patent, so he, he is the architect of the PS5. So it looks like they've... And if you read into the patent, it looks like they have a solution for the PS3's cell processor issue that was causing problems with getting some of those PS3 games on back compat. So yeah, hopefully they will be revealing this um, soon. Uh, I don't know if it'll be this year, but certainly probably early next year if the, the plan is to have it launch in spring 2022. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they have under their sleeves or up their sleeves under their shirt. I don't know. One of those things. All right, let's move on to number four. A new U.S. bill could ban the use of console scalper bots. This is from Chris Scullion at Video Games Chronicle. The Stopping Grinch Bots Act is being introduced by Representative Paul Tonko, Senator Richard Blumenthal, Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, and Senator Ben Ray Lujan and is designed to crack down on bot technology. Bots work by automatically notifying users when high-value items come in stock at retailers before circumventing any wait times, adding items to their cart, and then completing the checkout process, giving users a huge advantage over regular customers. So, yeah, this has been such a huge issue, as we all know, people trying to get PS5s and Xbox Series Xs and Ss, it's just been a nightmare. Like I, me and Mike both have PS5s and we're lucky that we, we got on it when we did because they're just harder than ever to get. And it's all due to like the shortage of the, the, the pro microprocessors or micro microchips. Yeah, I think it's, I forget what it is. Anyway, it's, it's causing lots of problems across not just video games, but other industries, including the auto industry. 
because they use those chips in computers and cars. So yeah, the, the, these scalpers trying to get these consoles and jack up the prices and it, I, you know, fuck these guys. <laughs> Just straight up, I fucking hate these guys. They they can try to justify what they're doing, but at the end of the day, they're they're assholes. You know, they're they're ta- they're using they're cheating using technology to try to take away the opportunity of people who want to get these things legit and legal. So I, for one, am fucking thrilled that the United States is trying to ban these scalper bots. Now, I don't know how long this would take to actually go into effect if it passes, because, you know, how the government works, it's especially the U.S. government. It's just a lot of nonsense. It takes forever to get anything done because we have our two sides arguing with each other. It's always got to be tribal and stuff. So hopefully they get this thing passed sooner rather than later because this uh, this chip shortage is not looking like it's going to slow down anytime soon. And it's probably at this rate going to last into next year and possibly into 2023. You know, it's pr- probably as long as the pandemic goes on, honestly. And who knows how long that's going to go on. It's, there's just a lot of uncertainty so I feel like this would just be a small step into just helping get the consoles into proper hands that deserve it. All right, let's uh, move on to number five. Bioshock 4's setting and time period have reportedly leaked. This is from Andy Robinson at Video Games Chronicle. Details on the in-development fourth Bioshock game were shared by Colin Moriarty during a Sacred Symbols video on Friday. Now, that's last Friday, like over a week ago. I know because I was listening to the podcast because I'm a patron of Last Damn Media. Uh, They put out great content. You should uh, go check them out. So according to Colin Moriarty, who, as everyone probably knows, Colin Moriarty worked at IGN, kind of funny... He's got a lot of sources, a lot of connections in the industry, so I think this is pretty legit. So he says, um, or he said on the podcast, Bioshock 4, well, this is not actually a quote. I'll get to the quote in a second. But according to Moriarty, Bioshock 4 will take place during the 1960s in a fictional Antarctic city. This matches with what Video Games Chronicle has been told by our own sources about the game. Narratively, the game will be tied to the previous Bioshock games, and developer Cloud Chamber is targeting a 2022 release. Colin Moriarty said, he's quoted, It takes place in a 1960s Antarctic city called Borealis. The game is codenamed Parkside. I've been told that development team has incredible latitude to get it right. That seems and sounds right to me. He added, Internally, the game is very secret and apparently totally locked up. Apparently, the inclination there is that they understand full well that this game will be compared to what Bioshock creator Ken Levine does. Me and Mike are both gigantic Bioshock fans. I'm not sure about Indy. I don't know if I've ever talked to him about Bioshock before. But uh, I have recently you know, replayed Bioshock Infinite. Previously, the first Bioshock was my absolute favorite, but having replayed Infinite, I changed my mind, and Infinite is actually my favorite. So, 
to hear, I, I was so curious about where they would take this franchise. Like, what can you do after Infinite? And I definitely did not expect Antarctica. Like, I find that super, super interesting. And that is taking place in the 1960s. That seems the track. Um, and, you know, since Colin is saying that it will carry on from the previous three games, if you've played the Bioshock games, you know the 1960s are uh, an integral time in that franchise. So I, I'm super curious about what's going to be going on in parallel to what was happening in primarily Bioshock 1 and 2, mainly like pre-Bioshock 1. And they're saying it's going to come out in 2022, at least that's what they're targeting this game, I believe, has been in development for quite a while. I want to say at least like four years, maybe five. I don't know. They have a lot to live up to. I, I don't envy this team, Cloud Chamber, because Ken Levine is one of the gen great geniuses in the video game industry. I, I don't think that can be disputed. Like, what he did with Bioshock 1 and Infinite was just astounding. So it looks like they're fully aware that they're going to be compared to Ken Levine's work. I don't think that's fair, but I understand it. I'm, I guess, neutral about this game. I'm going to try to keep an open mind because I, I'm not going to compare it to Ken Levine's work because, like I said, that's just not possible. They reach that level. If they do, I will be shocked and I will give them all the kudos in the world. Yeah, this if this does come out in 2022, holy shit, man. 2022 is just going to be an insane year for video games. Like, I just can't even believe it. Like, we've got God of War 2, um, Horizon, Forbidden West, Elden Ring, this, possibly Breath of the Wild 2. Uh, we haven't seen anything on it yet. Who knows if something will be shown at the Game Awards, which... This podcast is releasing on the same day as the Game Awards. So if anything gets announced at the Game Awards that I've talked about on here, that's, you know why, because I'm recording this beforehand. But uh, yeah, anyway, just yeah, 2022 is going to be insane, because I think all the games that have been delayed this year are being pushed to that year. So it's just, you're just getting like everything in 2022. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for that. So let's move on to number six. ID at Xbox Winter Game Fest demo event is now live. From now until December 21st, you can play over 35 demos of upcoming unreleased games for Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One. Many of these demos are early, and some are for games that won't be out for quite some time. So Xbox is doing this in conjunction with the Game Awards uh, it, th this is cool. I, I'm actually looking forward to checking out some of these demos. We, uh, we on this podcast love indie games. We're constantly talking about indie games. So I, I think this is cool that they're, uh, putting on an event to, to show a perfect time too, right around the holidays. Um, you know, a lot of people have played a lot of these big games already that are going to be at the game awards. So maybe they're looking for like some small, quiet games during the holidays to play. And the fact that it's some of these games are not even finished, like probably most of them are not even finished. Like, I don't think any of them are released yet. 
So I don't, I'm not sure if I've ever seen like Xbox or PlayStation or anybody do anything like this. Um, so, so I, I think Steam does this stuff sometimes. I don't know, but I'm not a PC player. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, th- this seems pretty fresh for, for consoles. So look forward to that. Like I said, it's live now all the way until December 21st. Number seven, Xbox Games with Gold for December 2021 have been released. And uh, let's see. So you got The Escapist 2, which is available from December 1st to December 31st. Tropico 5, the penultimate edition, which is available from December 16th to January 15th. You've got Orcs Must Die, available from December 1st to December 15th. And you've got Insanely Twisted Shadow Planets, available from December 16th to the 31st. And you know, I just want to say to you, like, I've probably commented before at some point, but I, I hate how Xbox releases their games with gold. Like, it's all staggered. They don't all just drop on the same day, and they're not all available from the same amount of time. It's like all these weird different dates. It's just confusing. I don't even understand why they do this. I am re- I really don't even understand why Games with Gold still exist, to be honest. Like, I know not everybody likes Game Pass. I get it. Some people like physical media only. Some people can't afford it, or they don't play enough games to, to warrant it. So Games with Gold is... A nice little uh, bonus that they have if you just have the base Xbox Live. That's fine. I, I get it. But uh, Xbox, yeah, just stop staggering your releases, man. Just just release them on the first and they're available till the end of the month. Like, just keep it simple. The only one that I have played on this list is Tropico 5. And I did like it. I thought it was a pretty good game. It's like a... Uh, it's like a city builder sim, but you're, you play like this dictator of this like tropical island and you, you have to like build up this, uh, this island. And so if you like those kind of city builder sims, like, you know, check it out. Um, it's not too bad. And number eight, PlayStation plus <laughs> games for December, 2021 have been announced as well. And, uh, let's see, I believe they're already out by the time this podcast releases, since it, uh, they release on the first Tuesday of the month, I believe. So, first we have Godfall Challenger Edition for the PS5 and PS4. Now, this edition <laughs> excludes the campaign. I don't understand this. Like, first of all, nobody really gives a fuck about Godfall. Like, I haven't heard one good thing about Godfall. So you're trying to get people in to play your game. And you don't include the campaign. It's just a base level, like end game content uh, multiplayer thing. I, 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 I'm just flabbergasted why they thought this was a good idea. I, I've kind of been disappointed with like PlayStation Plus's outings over the last few months. Yeah, I, it's, I don't know. This seems pretty pointless. So anyway, the other games are Lego DC Super Villains for PS4 and Mortal Shell for PS4. Uh, I have not played Lego DC Super Villains, but uh, I've heard it's good if you like the Lego games. Mortal Shell, I'm not familiar. I believe it's like some kind of roguelike RPG. So if you like that shit, check it out. And also, don't forget, continuing from last month as part of 
PlayStation's v- VR's fifth anniversary. Wow, five years it's been out. That's fucking crazy. I still have not played PlayStation VR. I, I would like. I think I'm waiting till PSVR two. I think me and Mike have both agreed we're gonna wait, and then possibly buy that. Um, it, it could be out at the end of 2022. That's our guess. Yeah, so there's three bonus PSVR titles that are still available to add to your game library. And they are The Persistence, The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners, and Until You Fall. Every one of these games that I named are available from now until January 3rd. So even if you don't have VR, like go add these into your library because you may one day get a PSVR and then you'll just have a bunch of free PSVR games to play. You can also go on PlayStation's app and you can add them that way. Cause I know there's some like um, PS five VR games and like you can't add them on your PS four. So just go on the app and add them and you, you'll have them forever. So there you go. You got until January 3rd for all those games. Finally, number nine, Nintendo is adding Paper Mario to Switch Online Expansion Pack on December 10th. Now, I'm not a real big Nintendo fan anymore. I, I used to be when I was a kid. I loved Nintendo from like NES all the way till N64, I believe is my last console. So I uh, I can't really comment too much on this, but I know Indy, he, uh, well, Indy and Mike both have Switches. But I think Indy in particular has the expansion pack, and he has talked about it a little bit. Uh, I remember them, I think it might even have been Mike who said that he thought Nintendo was just going to drip feed these games. And it looks like so far he's right. Like they're just going to add maybe like one or two at a time from their, their back catalog and really just draw it out and try to like squeeze every last dime out of you and... Yeah, I, I'm just not a fan of Nintendo's business practices. I think they're very uh, not consumer friendly. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, if you love Paper Mario and you you don't have the means to play it other than this, and you have expansion pack for Switch Online, it's coming December 10th. So check it out. This this might be your shit. I don't know. If it is, good for you. You know what? Since we have like a little bit of time, I think I will do a surprise mechanic just real quick, you know, just to finish out this episode. And it, uh, actually, uh, has to do with Nintendo. So it's, it's a good segue here. Let me just add, if you don't know what surprise mechanics is, it is, well, normally it's where me and either Mike or Indy will bring something to the table where neither one of us knows what it is. It's just something random could be anything and we'll just like surprise each other with it. Sometimes Mike's, Mike likes to tell stories. Sometimes we like to make up games that we play. So this time, I think I am going to tell a story. It's about my childhood. The NES, Nintendo Entertainment System, was my first console I owned. And I played a lot of Super Mario Brothers 3. And I even played it with my dad sometimes. So one time... Uh, and I must have been about six years old, I'm guessing. I was really young. Yeah, so me and my dad were playing Super Mario Brothers 3. And I was the one with the controller in hand. And I remember this specifically. I was in the boss battle with Boom Boom. 
if you don't remember who Boom Boom is, it's like that first boss you fight where it's like he he kind of you have to jump on his head three times, but once you jump on his head, he kind of turtles into a shell and he kind of like jumps around the 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 area. So I was in a really intense battle for a six year old. You know this this is hard shit for a six year old. So I'm like, oh man, I I jump on his head once, I get him, and then he goes into a shell. He's bouncing around. I avoid him. I jump on his head again. Same thing happens. He's bouncing around. So I, I need to do it one more time to beat him. And he happens to get me. He kills me. And what came out of my mouth in front of my dad, I'll always remember. Because I, I yelled. I was like, I was like, you cocksucker. My dad immediately was like, hey. Watch your mouth. And I, I was like, I was like stunned. I was caught off guard because I was like, I, I didn't even know cocksucker was a bad word. I was just like, I just heard my dad say this probably at some point or, or some other adult. So I, I just find that really funny that I, I said that as a little six-year-old. So, so if you hear me curse a lot on the podcast, which I normally do because I love to curse. I, I just, I just love curse words. I think they're fun. I think people who curse are tend to be more honest people. And uh, I think there's even studies to back that claim. Now, looking back on it, um, I, apparently cocksucker is a um, derogatory term towards gay people, I believe. And I, I just found this out recently. Um, I mean, I don't really say the word anymore, but I just found this out um because it's you're just you're almost saying like you know sucking cock is a bad thing, and me personally, I'm just like suck all the cocks, you know, like not me personally, but I'm saying whoever wants to <laughs> partake in the cock sucking may do so as much as you want. That be be free, suck all the cocks, male, female, non-binary, I don't care. Anyway, that's that's pretty much the story. Um, I, I just thought that was pretty funny. Hopefully, you know, whoever's listening to this is not listening to this in a car with kids because I've said cocksucker a lot and uh, maybe you don't want your kids to hear that, but maybe they need to hear curse words and maybe they already have. So, you know what? I, I really consider this podcast an educational podcast in a way because I'm exposing your kids to curse words, which they're eventually going to hear anyway. They're going to learn it. Come on. We, we know. With all the shit kids here in school, they they probably, they, especially these days, man, they get kids these days, like with the internet, they, they know way more than I knew. I, I was just a naive little kid. I was just repeating what I said. But uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, that's my surprise mechanic. Uh, so I'm going to end this episode right now because Mike needs time to edit and he's going to be pissed if I go over a certain amount of time. I'm just going to go ahead and do the social medias at the end here and get that out of the way. So you can follow us on Bound, or you can follow us on Boundless Gamers. No, that's not right. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Boundless Gamers. And we'd also appreciate it if you would follow or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Yeah, so you can continue to get all this sweet content for free. And, um,. Yeah, that's really about it. So I'm just going to get off here and stop rambling so you can get on with your day. 
Hopefully, I have successfully landed this plane. I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, if you like this episode, um, maybe like or comment on this. It's probably not going to happen, let's be honest. But I got to try. I got to put that out there. So, But yeah, that's that's it, guys. So I hope you have a good rest of your week. And this has been the Boundless Gamers Podcast, episode 28. I am Jacques. And I will see you guys next week.